Hello lovers, go to entamopleasurables.com for your slippery needs and get 20% off with the WILD20 promo code. You'll thank me later. Running Wild with Christine, sex, success, and other slippery rabbit holes. Welcome to episode 120 with my good friend, Tony Ganton. Hi, Tony. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I, there's actually, I haven't told you this yet, a huge fire a block from my house right now. So it stinks of smoke in my place. So if I cough, it's not COVID. It's <laughs> air pollution. Oh, can you see it from your place? Oh, I can't see shit. It's like fully white out of the windows. Yeah. So I feel like I'm just going to leave the house after this. <laughs> yeah. You should go for a walk and then walk towards the fire and then film yes. it, get more pollution uh-huh. and, then, and then go That's... back to your house. How did you know? <laughs> I'm just going to stand there and smoke cigarettes in front of them <laughs> just to make sure I'm good. Yeah. I get that um, like sixth, seventh hand smoke going. Hey, that voice really soothes me. Okay. I already have a bit of a rasp. It needs to be fostered. <laughs> this shit doesn't come naturally. <laughs> um, okay. So for those of you listening, Tony and I went to university together. We worked at the pit pub together. For those of you who know what that is. And for those of you who do know what that is, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I have probably stopped serving you at some point and Tony's probably kicked you out. <laughs> um, do you want to introduce, how do you introduce yourself to people today? Who are you? What do you do? How do you describe yourself? Uh, my name's Tony and yeah, I'm, I'm a jack of all trades, I guess, in a way. I've done uh, yeah a bunch of weird stuff. Not weird, I guess, just unique, I guess, in a way. Um, yeah, right now, good. yeah, uh, right now I'm currently working at Vespa as a technician. So like ripping apart scooters and that's, uh, that's fairly new. Uh, the pandemic kind mm-hmm. of. So pandemic, I was a server before and a pandemic hit. Well, I lost my job, obviously. And then mm-hmm. like, this is the perfect, perfect opportunity to get out of serving. Because um, I've been in the hospitality industry since I was 19. Like bouncing, bartending, serving, all of the above. I can attest Working. to all those. Yeah, that's, that's basically how we, be, we became friends. <laughs> yeah, and stayed friends throughout the years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what did you study again at UBC? I keep forgetting. Yeah, uh, I... The psych degree, so completely useless. Uh, I haven't figured out how to get a refund yet. <laughs> At least you weren't paying international tuition like me. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never getting that refund. I'm just going to sit here and be like, this is what I chose to do with my life. <laughs> well, it's uh, it's a growing experience. not really about the actual degree, I find, for a lot of people. It- it's so i mean is it for you because like i would i don't want to take it back actually i had a great time yeah no it was it was fantastic the best six years of my life right i'm doing nothing with them but it was great <laughs> yeah I, I learned a lot did a bunch like met a lot of cool people and did a lot of Developed fun stuff as a human yeah like figured out sort of figured out who i am that's still on process right now yeah figured out who we're not for sure yeah that, exactly <laughs> Where did you grow up? I grew up in Surrey. And then in grade five, I moved to North Delta. So it was like Surdell area. Nice. What was your childhood like? Uh, it was it was interesting, I guess. Uh, child of divorce. Same. So uh, parents went up when I was seven. Uh, so I've basically been in two households since, well, from seven to 17, because that's when I moved out. Uh, to university and I basically just stayed with uh, yeah I basically moved out at 17 there's like two since I moved back home but very very briefly um yeah so that was uh and no siblings so it was just just me with that Mm -hmm. would Uh, you call it a like do you recall it being a happy childhood or do you recall mostly the trauma of divorce uh I remember being happy I mean everything like before the age of seven is a little little blurry yeah um because that's when kind of everything happened but yeah i don't remember i don't remember anything bad other than my parents arguing a lot as a kid but other than that it was like they they did try their best to give me a good childhood were you like always the sporty kid or is that a later in life thing uh it was i was always active uh but the actual organized sport thing was kind of later in life like i did taekwondo for a few years 
um, around probably age like 12 or so. I uh, ended up getting a second degree black belt then, which, Whoa. yeah, no one really knows that about me, which is kind of funny. No, one It actually, doesn't surprise me in a way, because you are kind <laughs> of like um, super disciplined and shit. So <laughs> like you were yeah. never one of those hot mess people. <laughs> like we had a lot of hot messes around us. And I feel like you I, and I were marginally hot messes. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I coasted by with a hot mess. I hit it well. <laughs> um what were you like in high school it's my favorite uh period of awkwardness to investigate i was i was pretty awkward like my my grade 8 photo compared to like my grade 12 photo were very very drastically different i I had glasses and contacts in high school and uh i did grow quite a bit between grade 8 and 9 so like after taekwondo ended i didn't really i wanted to play football but i wasn't able to until i moved to North Delta and then joined high school and they had a football team. So I finally got my mom, convinced my mom to let me play. So I was like right away in grade eight. So it was just kind of like, I was always a big kid, but then I grew and got like big, big. Yeah. So I am now, but yeah, so I guess for people back listening, um, I'm 6'5 and in high school, I, I hit 280. So I was pretty big large. Kid. Yeah, <laughs> quite large. So playing football was, uh, Turns out I was good at it. My parents, my actually, yeah, my parents actually didn't think I'd be good at it because I was such like a gentle giant kind of thing. They're like, oh, he he can't hurt anyone. And then <laughs> you're like, watch me. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I guess it was, uh, yeah, it became an outlet as well for me, right? So it was uh, the one like during football season, like I'd be physically exhausted, but like mentally, I was always kind of like in a, in like, a good was, place. Well, yes and no. Like, I'd be exhausted from everything we're doing, but. I would have an outlet and then I'd really have no energy or time for anything else. So it was very. Therapeutic. Yeah. And the off season, that's kind of when like I would get all in my head and all that kind of stuff. Cause I wasn't exerting myself for two, uh, two, three hours a day on the field in yeah. the weight room kind of thing. So. Did you get in trouble or were you mostly like in your head? Like you say, like in your room or stuff like that. I didn't get in trouble. I mean, I snuck out once. Sorry, mom. Once? Whoa. Once. I snuck out Ooh. all the time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I stayed out late. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but yeah, I didn't really get that much trouble. I mean, I mean, normal trouble as I did as a kid, like as normal mm-hmm. high school kids did. Like there's nothing, nothing drastic or anything. Uh, but yeah, like, I feel like I really, yeah, high school was interesting. I always felt, I enjoyed it. Like I don't really have any horror stories from it. Um, mm-hmm. Like, yeah, there's like a few boys here and there. Like, I might have been a boy here and there. Um, might have, you say with like guilty eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I think everyone has like those moments. Like, no one's perfect all the time. Like, oh, yeah. Figuring out those power struggles in high school is like a huge thing. I'm just like, where do I fit yeah, in the world? I mean, Who's going to eat me and who am I going to eat? <laughs> pretty much. Uh, yeah, like I didn't mind high school. I was I was awkward and big and <laughs> tried out some very questionable hairstyles and clothing <laughs> styles. Uh, For someone who knows Tony, this is so very obvious. <laughs> <laughs> but if you don't know him, it paints a good picture. <laughs> yeah, there's, um, there's a photo of somewhere on Facebook where I have uh, a mohawk going and big mutton chops. Yeah, yeah, there is. Um, it's uh and i also loved wearing plaid shorts that was like all the oh rage god. oh god yeah oh it was, uh, the sweet sweet oddies <laughs> very i was like the high school hottie like it was <laughs> <laughs> uh did you was it like obvious that you were gonna go to university were you good in school uh i mean school is just school i mean grade 12 is kind of when the actual academics came together and I was like oh this is easy um mm-hmm. I don't know I think just something just kind of clicked and I, I was taking courses that I liked in most of the time because the AP psych and geography I really liked and found out I didn't need math 12 for university because that's the way it worked out and I'm like sweet well I never skipped yeah. class never skipped class I just, just stopped paying attention to class still passed barely but yeah didn't need it so I was like whatever um and then football I think it was grade grade 10 or 11 um like I was playing 
up in senior team. Mm-hmm. I was after the game and a UBC coach approached me and we started chatting and I'm like, dude, like, I still got like two more years in high school. Like this is... <laughs> You're talking to me about the deep future here. <laughs> yeah, but it was just kind of like, I think that's kind of when I like, it was to see that I'm like, oh, okay, like this could be like, this could get me somewhere. And uh, after grade 11, I ended up, I was lucky enough to make uh, Team BC and fly out to Halifax and Anaganish, or sorry, not Anaganish, that was later, uh, Wolfville, Nova Scotia. So like, absolutely like nowhere, Acadia University and played out there. So that was a good scouting opportunity for football and then played grade 12 and yeah, I had a few offers and across Canada and it was, yeah, so like, I guess like grade 11, grade 12 was when I kind of was like realizing, yeah, like, I guess I'm going to university after this, play football. And you did. Yeah. <laughs> what, um, how was it, how did it feel moving into university? Like that always shocked me when I started at UBC because I was already 19 and I like had traveled the world by myself and I had experienced sort of not being in my parents' house, but I found that a lot of people who went to UBC and were like 17, which was shocking. Like in Europe, we don't go to university until we're like 18, 19. So yeah. I like would see all these 17 year old kids who were just like, uh, <laughs> like, what do you mean I'm unsupervised? <laughs> How did that feel for you? Uh, it was actually somewhat, it wasn't that scary or like overwhelming for me just because being a single, like only child from divorce, I was always very independent anyway. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like it was, it was kind of nice. And plus I had a roommate who's funny enough, whose name was also Tony. <laughs> yeah. So that was, yeah, it was just, it was really funny with big and little Tony. Big uh, and little Tony. <laughs> so yeah, we got along great. So I was also very helpful living in that tiny, like a hundred square foot room with two beds and two desks and two mini fridges and <laughs> The, the full picture that always you know growing up in Europe that always I thought that was just a movie thing I didn't think that was a real <laughs> the dorms yeah we don't have that <laughs> yeah it was it was weird it was very weird but like you're like summer camp all year long yeah it was weird but it was like weirdly normal I mean it was just like we knew that like I knew that what it's what it was when I was going into it so it wasn't like a surprise or anything so mm-hmm I always wonder what it's like in those like dudes dorms. Like, did you guys talk at all? Or what was, what was that relationship like? Because I have all these presumptions, right? I did not go into dorms because I was like, I'm not moving in with four 17 year old girls. Like that is not happening. <laughs> <laughs> but I wonder what the uh, other end of the gender spectrum was like. Uh, well, the first year it was just Tony and I. And I mean, we, we broke out, we talked, we yeah, we just talk about dude stuff normally and we got pretty close. And then second year is we moved in uh, to this, was Gage Towers. Oh, so there's six six Towers. bedrooms. Yeah, six bedrooms in a place that should have been two bedrooms. <laughs> like, I have made so was... many mistakes in that tower. <laughs> <laughs> Do go on. Mistakes or happy accidents. Both, <laughs> depending <laughs> on which. <laughs> is it still there? Can people yeah. do people oh gosh okay so anyway i think they, people. <laughs> they ended up turning one of the towers into a first year residence because they didn't have enough which i find super weird because they don't have the cafeteria right there and i was like i feel like it would ruin the experience but you also have a kitchen but yeah true but also so like the thing is living with five other people for the first time in my life and having mm-hmm. in a kitchen for, the, for, uh, for my own responsible kitchen for myself the first time in my life that's wasn't attached to a mom or dad or whatever yeah that was i think that was like the big figure it out kind of moment like <laughs> okay i get to cook now but like what am i going to cook and all this kind of stuff and then we didn't have a dishwasher there's six guys in this apartment i i, I want to say i don't want to imagine it but i don't have to have seen it it's horrifying i was awful at doing dishes like everyone ragged on me for not doing my dishes i was <laughs> just terrible i mean I try to, I'm better now. I have one roommate right now and I try to like do them pretty much every day or every other day. <laughs> so it's not bad, but like if, if she's gone for a few weeks or she's out of town or something with that, she used to be quite a bit. It was, uh, Shit slips. I might, yeah, it does. <laughs> but yeah, but like living with that many other guys, you kind of got to be on it. So that did teach me a lot. And, uh, there's one, 
one time we like we all like playing like little jokes on each other too so it was me i live with my first year roommate tony again mm-hmm. and two of our other friends and then the other two guys were international students but they're awesome dudes we got along really well as well so i asked my roommate tony if i borrow one of his big pots because i was making like his big pot of pasta i can't remember what it was mm-hmm. making. doesn't matter and then the t- me notoriously left it in the sink for like a day or two soaking Mm-hmm. Because you got a lot of it soak, right? Like, yeah. You can't <laughs> the just air quotes soak. <laughs> you can't just wash it right away. You gotta get you know. No, it, it it helps, right? To let it be mm. more oily for a couple days. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you know what? I'm he like messaged me about it. I'm like, okay, like, I'm gonna do a little, I'm gonna get out a little bit here. So I washed the pot spotless fill it up with water and it's one of those like teflon pots so if it's sitting still uh-huh. with water from a certain angle you can't tell that there's water in it and it looks empty uh-huh so i did this put it in front of his door like his bedroom door okay. i'm like hey dude i washed your pot in front of your door and it was like perfectly still so it doesn't look like there's any water i was like oh thanks that's big a big pot with like two double handles, handles on, on it. the side he just grabs one handle and picks it up water just goes all into <laughs> Water goes all over his feet into his room. I'm sitting there cackling. <laughs> so that's what it's like to live with six dudes. It's just a bunch of daily little pranks. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, pretty much. That's happened. Most of the guys I live with every once in a, every once in a while we do something stupid. <laughs> and uh, so, how do you? How did you find your ex- like? Okay, for anyone listening, I know this, so I'm skipping over the questions, but like Tony and I were pretty outgoing because we were tied to the bar. Um, so we knew a bunch of people. You also from football, you know, feel like it was pretty like not popular necessarily, but like, you know, we were connected. Social. Um, social, that's right. How did you find, because a lot of people say that university was like the most lonely and isolating and sort of like you know the first conscious like on your own bout of depression they've experienced like regardless of like how social we looked and how like active our lives looked like how did you find your university experience in that sense uh it was i was quite social but i mean trying to ask date in university, especially for a guy mm. who doesn't have like the best um, understanding of really any kind of dating. Cause I didn't do any in high school mm-hmm. and like all my role models for dating in my family have all basically ended in a divorce or multiple divorces. <laughs> so it's very, you're like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. It was very uh, trial and error. Yeah, pretty much. And it was a lot of error. <laughs> a lot of air um yeah i mean there's definitely a lot of nights where i was like alone and wish i like had someone but i also didn't really know how to like connect deeply romantically in that kind of way mm-hmm. with pe- certain with people as well and i mean i didn't also a lot of the time i didn't really try mm-hmm. Did that so help was, you? Uh, yeah no i mean if i would go back i don't regret anything from university but if i was to go back obviously that would change a few things uh, um yeah. i think i would that'd be like a big thing to work on just kind of like personal relationships or uh, like romantic relationships and just being able to communicate feelings a lot more, which is something I've been learning, like even right now at, at 27. So it's, uh, yeah. What do you think is the biggest thing you've learned like recently about that? Yeah. Just That's be like a big trans- question. Yeah. Oh, uh, I feel like it just, if you're just transparent and open and like, these are like, just kind of lay out your expectations and your thoughts and feelings. Everything is just, it's it makes you way more vulnerable and that's absolutely yeah. terrifying but in the in the short game it's it just lays everything out like this is it this is everything yes or no kind of thing or like this is how we can work through it and it just takes a lot of the unknown pressure off because you're like i don't know what this person's thinking or i don't know what like yeah. that kind of thing so like recently yeah, i was like seeing this girl for like about a month or two and i'm like figure out, okay let's like figure out what this is what this is that and Mm-hmm. sat down and was like all right this is how I'm feeling and I was like I thought it was gonna be a bit more emotional and just just because uh, yeah emotions feelings are scary yeah like emotion, <laughs> yeah and like I was I didn't know what to expect and then she was mm-hmm. like yeah I'm on the exact same page and I was like oh this is okay cool like 
that's I wasn't expecting this. So it kind of threw me off, but it was also like the vulnerability on both sides was like there. So it was refreshing. Yeah, really, yeah. So it was like, okay, well, we're both on the same page. We both think this isn't going to lead to anything like super romantic. So it was just like, okay, we're done here. And it was very healthy. Yeah. yeah I was like, wow, that would have been great to practice, especially at a young age. <laughs> I think it's hard to practice that kind of stuff because first of all, you kind of have to be able to sit with yourself and find out what you want and what you're feeling, which I feel like none of us were really taught how to do. Like I definitely did not sit with my feelings in university. I was just like, yeah, how am I feeling on the surface level? Okay. Let's go out and drink and meet people. Yeah. Let's go to, let's know, go to the bar. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Let's go to the bar and work at so I don't have to pay as much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, most of my friends I had were due to the bar. Like that was, that was my social circle. <laughs> yeah. It was. Um, did, um, so when you graduated, what was that like? That's like another huge, like high school is like one kind of big moment. And then I feel like graduating is another one where you just kind of go like, <laughs> okay, I finished the end of the script. And now I kind of have to start writing the story of my life because <laughs> it was only scripted up until this point. And then what? Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. Like the high school grad for me, it was like, okay, like I know what I'm doing after high school. Like I've already committed mm-hmm. to BC. Like I already like I had my ducks in a row or duck, I guess you could say. <laughs> uh, and then yeah, so like university was completely different because I didn't. I had nothing. There's nothing set up. Like I had I had two jobs already, which I had for most of my time at, at university. Mm-hmm. So it was uh, it was almost like. It was bittersweet. It was like freeing in a way. Like, sweet, I don't have to worry about school or class or homework or any of that stuff. I can like figure out what like my life's gonna look like. And then you're kind of going through it. And I'm still trying to figure out what I want to yeah. do and like where I want to go and all this kind of stuff. And that was I graduated it was like four, yeah, four years ago. Mm-hmm. Like actually, yeah, like around Probably four right years. Probably about now. Yeah. Yeah, like actually in May. It was yeah. My memories came out last week that I graduated yeah. <laughs> eight years ago and I was like, <laughs> stop. I don't want to know. Yeah. So, I mean, like I'm still for, I guess the better part of four years. I was just, I mean, I did a few weird jobs. Like I did uh, axe throwing for a bit. Um, that is very weird. Yeah. Well, it was not weird. It was more just like, it was random because we were a mobile yeah. axe throwing shop. So we'd show up kind of anywhere and people were like, what is this? And yeah, it was, it was quite fun. You figured out how to keep being the cool guy. <laughs> Show up places, be like, want to do something cool? <laughs> yeah, was, was, yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. Uh, but the whole time I was basically bouncing and serving just in the industry because I like people. It's easy and, money and it's something yeah. we're good at and we know how to do it. Exactly. And it's uh but it's not secure and like that kind of led back to mm-hmm. again that kind of leads back to the pandemic and losing the job and trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And I was getting into motorcycles recently and that was, I was like, oh, I uh, I heard about this BCIT program, a you know, five month, mm-hmm. six month thing. And it's a like first year apprenticeship uh, for motorcycle, motorcycle and power equipment repair. So I'm like, oh, sweet, like, mm-hmm. why not? And I was like, okay, like, well, I think I applied in the summer. I was like, you know, I'll probably do it in the new year, like starting February because I don't know what's going on with this pandemic. I'm supposed to go to a wedding in, in the fall. I don't know how the world's going to look. I just kind of wanted to delay it. And then I was thinking about it with all these question marks still up in the air. Nothing's getting yeah. better. Everything's kind of getting worse. I'm like, you know what? Let's just do it in September. Let's just get it, like go to school right away, get it over with. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so I finished, finished that in February and then got a job working at Vespa on scooters. So yeah, that's kind of how. How you got my, here. Yeah, more or less, so. And how, because you, you told me you wanted to talk a little bit about mental health and like, you know, dudes not talking about that kind of stuff. Like, how do you feel like the pandemic and changing jobs and changing careers and getting into all this stuff? Like, how have you been dealing with that? Uh, it's been insane. Uh, it's definitely the most <clears throat> emotional I've been in my life mm. over the past, I guess, year and a half now. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, yeah. I break. I guess a couple months before the pandemic, I broke up with a girlfriend two years. Mm-hmm. Um, and then started seeing someone 
recently after, but it was very casual, but then feelings got involved and then it kind of got messy and all this kind of stuff. So that was, and then that happened during the pandemic. So it was very like isolating and yeah, yeah, it was, like, it's still, it's still kind of like on my mind, which is annoying after a year and a half of everything, but uh, it was getting better just with kind of talking about it and uh, counselors and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's been definitely the most, I guess, mentally challenging years of my life, which is, is very different from like being playing football at UBC, like having mm. all those physical and also mental challenges of like trying to figure out what you're going to do and what to do. But it wasn't like all the plays you got to learn and all that kind of stuff. But it wasn't. This is just completely different because we're supported with like there was people. Yeah, and exactly. And tools and resources and like people had been there before whereas this feels very much like we're the only ones to ever feel this way yeah except like everyone well not everyone like most, most people. people are feeling the exact same way yeah. and yeah it's just weird and like trying to like figure out relationships during this time and yeah all that kind of stuff that's just like, ner- like yeah it's nerve-wracking because you're like oh i I need to, how am I going to meet people? It's like, oh, online dating. It's like, oh, like. And it's awful. Yeah. And like, oh, I have to meet this person. Are they going to be like an anti-vaxxer? Or like, how do they steal on it? And it was like, <laughs> do they like, or do yeah. they care? Like, or are they just like, yeah. And then it's just like, do I want to video date with them? Is that awkward? Or it's like, well, I yeah. actually, so video, I actually love video dates. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For a few reasons. For a few reasons, it really appeals to my lazy side. True, you can do it like this. This is why I don't yeah. do the podcast video. I can show up in my sweatpants. <laughs> exactly. Like for all you know, I could not be wearing pants right now. I've seen you not wearing pants before. I'm fine with that. <laughs> <laughs> but go on. <laughs> but the mystery is still there. You can't see below my chest. Oh, so much mystery. <laughs> Ooh. Um, the point is that you don't really have to like. When the main point of that is that you don't have to like dress up that much. Yeah, you don't you have don't to be in like that much time and effort. Yeah, you can be comfortable and be in your own your own home, which like you're the most comfortable in. So it's not like mm-hmm. you're in a weird situation. And if it's going terribly, you can just hang up whenever you want. Like, oh, sorry, bad connection. Connection. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in a tunnel. <laughs> or you can just be like, yeah, this this ain't it, and then hang up. So it's it's very it's very safe. And it's very, it's a good way to like, like suss someone out, like see what they're like before actually putting all that time, effort and energy into it. And I feel like people, like, I feel like people often like portray that as a bad thing that you're just like sussing someone out. I'm like, that is exactly the point of this. Like why I never understood when I moved here, like in North Americans were all about like dinner dates. I was like, excuse me, you want me to spend two hours with someone I've never met? Like, can we just like spend 15 minutes at coffee? And then like, it's pretty obvious in the first fucking 15 minutes if I'm going to like you as a human, want to make out with you or never see you. Like, you know, like (laughs) in the first 10 minutes, why would you have to spend $100 if you're following gender rules and the guy has to pay kind of thing? Or like, why would we both have to waste two hours on something that like within the first seven minutes could have been cleared out? Like. You know, yeah, exactly. efficiency like, is not an unromantic <laughs> thing. Like, I don't think it's unromantic or yeah, unsexy. You don't want to waste anyone's time, right? Like, it's no. And if you like them, you can still spend three hours on a video call. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, <laughs> or if you go out for like socially distanced walks and get coffee or beers yeah. or whatever, you can just keep walking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ugh, anyways, um, have you been dating much then during the pandemic? uh not really kind of it's uh i took a break i took actually three months off uh deleted everything and just was like to myself and i also for the better part of i also went sober for like two i tried to go two months but i made it like a month and a half without alcohol and a month and like a week without cannabis but Mm. The month and a week without cannabis was just like, well, I just graduated, so I'll have a joint. Like it was. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's hilarious. Um, but yeah, so that was yeah. I quit dating, went sober, and it was just a very emotional month. Why did you do that? What was the reason? 
Well, I always try to like go sober like up for a month a year just for mm-hmm. a personal challenge and like a reset, just kind of be mm-hmm. healthy as well. If you and like sometimes my buddies and I will challenge each other just to like make it fun and we like challenges and we're like fairly competitive. So like we might as well <laughs> <laughs> turn it into something make it like a that. Healthy thing. <laughs> yeah, right. So because we do enough uh challenges that revolve around drinking or food or the most. Yeah. <laughs> so <the> most. <laughs> Yeah, so I like, taking a break was just like, uh, yeah, it was just kind of a challenge for me. I was like, all right, let's uh, take a break from dating, take a break from like my vices of sort, and see see what happens. And I tried to go two months. Um, I'm still pretty like happy where I went with it. I did do like over a month for both, which is good. That's awesome. And, yeah, and I felt like I learned a lot during that time. And uh, what did you learn? Yeah, that just. Uh, even without all that kind of stuff, I'm still like, I'm still me kind of thing. It's not like, I feel like it didn't mask anything. And it was like, it was nice to be sober for a bit. Uh, I did get, I went on runs <laughs> just yeah. out of sheer boredom. I'm like, oh, I should try to do something. This is also, keep in mind, I was online class and didn't have a job. So I was constantly in your own house. So much free time. Yeah. Insane amount of free time. Bit of, like part of me wishes I was like a bit more productive with it, like kind of like creating something. But like that's just me over. We that's all just do me. that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, people have been asking me for the past two years, like, so have you had lots of time to write? And I'm like, <laughs> I have had the time. I have not done it. <laughs> like, yeah, that's. <laughs> I have found other excuses for my unproductivity. <laughs> when did you? Is that? Because you mentioned earlier with counselors and stuff, when did you start going to therapy? I uh, the first was a couple of years ago. I want to say two, three years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was good. It was just uh, it was very it was focused on like family dynamics and stuff. I didn't really kind of. I mm-hmm. found it wasn't really relating back to like my current like life and. You mean the therapy style or the reason for going to therapy was like the style the style of yeah. the therapy. Um, which is good. I mean, there's all like my family's wild. So there's a lot to unpack there. Uh, but it wasn't really like, yeah. I was just like kind of going about old stuff. There wasn't anything like actively kind of going on with that. So it was, uh, what was the reason for you going to therapy at that point? Like, were you like, Oh, I kind of want to figure myself out. Or like, was there a prompt to, to start? Yeah, it was, I think it was just that. And like just trying to like, take my health, mental health a bit, uh, more serious just cause a lot of times it's just be feeling down or anxious and stuff and still trying to figure out where I want to go in life and thinking there's a lot of things you know, like, well, I should have figured out by now. Why haven't I figured it out? Mm, expectations. Yeah. Like the pressure on myself and all that kind of stuff and just feeling stuck of where I was. And that's still kind of like a big thing. I always kind of feel stuck, even though I'm, Mm-hmm. doing stuff and it's it's also hard to like now after going through I think I'm on and then so I stopped uh seeing that counselor that. for yeah for a bit and then when I started at BCIT in the fall I got one um I reached out with one of their counselors and that we we had time there through like the six months there and then I mm-hmm. picked up a, picked up another one just after that so I've seen another one for about three months now uh, helpful? Yes, but I also find it challenging to like see how far I've come because mm-hmm. like reflecting on it, it's especially with this whole year, like the pandemic and COVID and heartbreak. Everything just and all feels that. so cyclical. Yeah, it's like, it just it feels like nothing's happened. Yeah, it does. Right? So it's it like it really does. People are like, oh yeah, back last year in 2020. I'm like, no, it's what? What is time? <laughs> Yeah. Like, what do you mean? It was last Tuesday. <laughs> like thinking back, like, especially this year, it's been, oh, like a year ago, what was I doing? I'm like, I was in a pandemic. Like, what was I doing? Yeah. We're still in it. It's like, what am I doing now? Like, where am I going? What's going to look like? Yeah. Dude, just- I just had like a memory show up on, on Instagram that like last year, this time we shot the little short we did about like life in isolation. And I was like, <laughs> I moved apartments. Everything else is the same. (laughs) The backdrop has changed. (laughs) (laughs) Same problems, same thoughts. 
um, yeah, it's hard to see the progress, but do you feel like regardless of how hard that is, that there has been some, that it has been helpful? Oh yeah, for sure. Like, uh, it's definitely allowed me to kind of like reflect on like my thoughts and everything and be like, oh, like this is, this is that, like, this is how, where that comes from. Yeah. Kind of thing. And also just a friend recommended like a book or two and a few friends have, and it's, uh, just like kind of reading the same things from different people. Like, like, Oh yeah, this is all, you know, when you like, you get like advice from someone like, mm, I don't know, it's that person giving me mm-hmm. advice. And then someone else <laughs> who you really trust gives you advice. You're like, Oh, okay. That, okay. Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> Yeah, you're like, your life is not together either. And then you're like, oh, maybe that is the person I should be taking advice from, the one that doesn't have it together. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Are these people, um, because this has been a big conversation of like, especially even within my group of like personal group of friends is like, you know, women are encouraged to have these conversations and it's kind of like fostered in us to have this normal setting of just like girls meet and talk about their feelings. Like, have you found it easy to have this conversation with dude friends or like, have they mostly been not men or what, what was your experience with that? Uh, two of my close friends. Uh, so I have like kind of two groups of guy friends mm-hmm. and two of the guys I've, I've known since high school. So like, I'm like, I've known them for a long, long time. I like mm-hmm. seeing them, seeing them grow. Actually, no, I've known them since elementary school. When I talked about like, I've known them for, mm-hmm. um, so like, and we've we've kind of all gone through some stuff and so we've uh and like we had a former friend we had a falling out with uh and that kind of it like brought us together in a weird way mm-hmm. so like with them we're very uh i'm pretty open with and we uh, talk about a lot of stuff but i'm me personally i'm more comfortable talking to like my female friends about emotions and stuff mm. so, do you feel like because they listen or because like, what's the difference for you? Or do you feel more self-conscious? Not like, maybe it doesn't depend on who it is that is receiving and maybe it's you that feels more comfortable or have you tried and the reception was like, not what you wanted? I think it's just, when it comes to like emotional things, I usually take women's advice better than men's advice because men are dumb. <laughs> preach (laughs) (laughs) but maybe that is what's making them dumb you know the fact that we don't give it we don't give them yeah we don't yeah that's the other thing too like like i know which friends i can have like a more open conversation with about certain things than others and i kind of that sounds bad in a way almost like i'm just like oh you're my friend for this reason (laughs) well we all compartmentalize our lives so, and yeah. therefore our friendships. <laughs> yeah. But like at the end of the day, I could definitely like have a conversation with all of them. Do you feel like they would be weirded out if you were like, Oh, my therapist said this, or is this like a normal part of the thing? Or do they, do they see people about their feelings or? Uh, I know a few have. Um, yeah. I don't think they'd be weirded out, but they, I, I mean, we might razz each other about it, but that's just what we do. It's not like, mm-hmm. it's not hurtful or anything. It's just like how we, oh, like, we do that too. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> my therapist said, <laughs> or like, you'll say something and my girlfriends will be like, is that what your therapist said? I'm like, <laughs> maybe <laughs> it's not a bad thing. <laughs> I'm going to run away in this corner, <laughs> but it is true. Like I find it easier with people that have seen you grow and seen you change and you know have like oh yes you have been working on yourself and therefore you kind of want to you have more trust in investing your vulnerability almost like a quota like you're like oh I'll, I'll risk getting sort of hurt or have you say something potentially like emotional to me because I've seen you put in the work yeah or like seeing them go through something similar mm-hmm. be- prior like before or after what you're going through and like do you can like bond over trauma Oh, it's a thing. Oh yeah. Like. <laughs> yeah. I feel like, um, I feel like it's good to have more and more of these conversations, um, with anyone. And I feel like, you know, we kind of normalize it. I feel like on social media, everyone's like, Oh, uh, millennials and Gen Z are so good at talking about mental health. And it's like, 
it's not because we're better than our parents that we're so good. Like we still it's have just, lots of work to do. I don't think we're better at it. We're just, oh, it's just out there more. Because everything is more out there. Our yeah, lives like, in general are like yeah. way more public than previous generations. Well, I think it's just also like there's mental health in recent years has become more prevalent in general. So it's like saying that the generations are better at it. It's like, no, it's just they're more aware of this informed and yeah they still probably suck at talking about it yeah we do we all do 100 percent. yeah like it's there now we just have more like studies and tools and hopefully depending on where you live some kind of healthcare that allows you to you know have access to those tools yeah like it's it's so i feel like there's still like a long ways to go with like all that kind of stuff and also <clears throat> the hardest part about all of it is actually just like reaching out like making an appointment with a counselor or like yeah. just do it. Like, that's like the hardest part how do you make yourself do it uh it was just kind of the first time i was like well where to like was trying to find a place that's the other thing is like finding someone that works for you yeah exactly it's like it's almost like dating a hundred percent i gotta go oh, i gotta oh, i gotta find a new therapist because this one sucks <laughs> it's true and it's like such a weird compatibility thing where you're just like oh do like do i trust your opinion like i know you're a professional but like maybe we're different people like you know yeah. like and like you also want like a different style everyone's like, yeah. like everyone takes a different teaching style. Everyone takes a different coaching style. Everyone has different love languages. Like it's. Yeah. Did you uh, find that your studies helped in any way? My psych, I, I feel like it's <laughs> helped more unconsciously than like, like subconsciously. Than actually. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just, there's not a lot of things I could just pull out of my brain. Like, oh yeah, I learned about this in psych class <laughs> or like this study or like this neurotransmitter. It's just kind of like seeing everything from like afar and like kind of mm -hmm. having that background knowledge somewhere in this brain yeah kind of like a little bit of hindsight yeah so it's um it's there but it's not like prevalent in a way it's yeah. just kind of like yeah. a a back background noise <laughs> yeah it's just like say six cents in a way yeah did uh so do you think that in a way because you said that was the hardest part do you think it would be helpful if someone was trying to help someone else with something if someone came up to you and was like, here's a list of like people I think would suit you. Like if, because I kind of advise that to someone and I don't know if I'm right. So I'm asking you <laughs> to see what your opinion is, but like being like, Hey, I did some research here, like for different kinds of therapists that seem to have values that align with yours that you could reach out to. Would that be helpful? Yeah. I think that'd be huge. Like if you had like a friend or loved one do that for you, it'd be amazing. Like, uh, That'd be fantastic. And I think like, I had a few friends mm -hmm. actually like do that to me because I was talking to you about that. And that's kind of how, yeah, actually, I guess that's how I started. Like my friend and I were talking about it and then she gave me like a few, <laughs> few options. So, yeah, I think that's an easy, because like you said, like reaching out is hard, but sometimes you get these cues from your friends or people in your life. You see that that's kind of what they're hinting at without really going. And like, there's a sort of like, risk-free way of doing it is just giving some resources you're not saying like i booked you the appointment which can feel like super intrusive but like here's four people that sound like you or yeah. you know sound like what you've been talking about yeah so i'm gonna leave this pile Post of goodies right on the table for you <laughs> you don't have to take them but i'm just gonna walk away yeah like <laughs> like a four-year-old <laughs> pretty much <laughs> Um, cool. Okay. So that's a tool. Um, is there anything else that, uh, you'd want anyone listening to like know or feel, or is there something that you want to share that we haven't talked about? Yeah, I guess just suck it up and get a therapist <laughs> in, a, in a blunt way. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's good. I think it, it can't hurt. I mean, it will hurt emotionally but like it's <laughs> it can't be that harmful <laughs> it's like it's like going to physio for a broken knee like it's gonna hurt but like you know you're doing it to get your knee better mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what's the thing okay this is my uh like classic end of the episode question 
If it takes you forever to think of an answer, that's normal. It's literally everyone. Um, we, can, we can edit out the silence. Oh, I usually leave the silence and so that people listening <laughs> can think to themselves and sit there in fear of me asking them that. Um, <laughs> but basically, what's a thing? And it can be like mundane or super philosophical, like whatever pops into your head. What's a thing that you wish that you've learned now, but that you wish you knew or that you wish someone had told you like all this time that would have just like changed your outlook? Outlook on life or just outlook? Whatever it might be. Like something that you're like, fuck. Like when you learned it, you were like, shit, why didn't no one tell me that? Hmm. See, there's the silence. Yeah, there is, there is a silence. I feel like I'm just really bad at reflecting too, so. <laughs> I feel like that's all of us, hon. <laughs> it can be literally about motorcycle maintenance. Like it doesn't have to be a grandiose thing, but like something that you're just like, man, that would have made it so much easier. Oh, I've, there's been, there's been so many stories like that, which is like little things like, wow, why the shit did no one tell me this? Like, <laughs> yeah, I just can't think of any examples off the top of my head. <laughs> Um, if you had kids, what's the first thing you would teach them? This is another way of asking the question. <laughs> I'm just going to keep cycling until you give me something. <laughs> don't, don't drink Kool-Aid in an auto mechanic shop. It's not Kool-Aid, it's coolant. <laughs> <laughs> Have the, you done that? No, but it looks like Kool-Aid because it's pink and or green and looks like, and it, apparently it tastes very <laughs> sugary. That's what they told us in class. Um, <laughs> Oh my God, that's hilarious. I think that is the best advice we've gotten so far. <laughs> I also have a motorcycle advice thing that just popped into my head because this <laughs> funny story. So I was taking a creative writing class at UBC and yeah. uh, this, prof this professor teaching the class, I can't remember his name. Awesome dude. Just absolutely hilarious. He's like, mm -hmm. you ever, has ever shared advice with you that doesn't apply to you whatsoever, but you'll never forget it? Ooh. So this is his thing is like someone told him and it's been stuck in my, like, I've, not, I've never forgotten this yeah. Most, probably because I like motorcycles, but he's like, if you're riding a motorcycle, especially like a crotch rocket, like your hand over the handlebars, you're going fast and you know, you're going to get in a crash. And there's nothing you can do to avoid it. Like it breaks, it, you're getting in a crash, like hundred uh -huh. percent. He said, take your hands off the handlebar, put your hands on the, like, the tank in front of you and push off at the last right before impact. So you just Superman over the accident and hopefully come on the other side relatively unscathed instead of going like headfirst into a collision. Yeah. I'm like, huh, uh, I, I'll never forget that. I mean, I probably won't forget it now, even though I'll probably never ride a yeah, crotch rocket. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's one of those things. Like, I'm pretty sure 99% of people in that class weren't going to ride a motorcycle or have never ridden a motorcycle But if before. they ever were to crash, now they yeah. would know I'm pretty do. sure my prof never actually rode a motorcycle. Like, at that point, <laughs> I just had a pipe dream of having a dirt bike as a kid. And, oh, my God, and just hilarious. Like, I had no, like, actual investment in motorcycles at that point either. But now I'm, now that I have one, it's... Dude, no, but like what a great question like have you ever been given advice that would never apply to you but you'll never forget that's a great yeah. prompt that's a great prompt i'm gonna keep that one um it but now think i need a new one because i ride motorcycles now so yeah you need one that's not relevant to you because <laughs> you're now you just fucking took knowledge when he was trying not to teach you anything <laughs> um it reminds me actually when you were describing that like this has nothing to do with wisdom. This is just my funny story of the day. Um, when I was a kid, I was probably like, I don't know, I want to say like 14, 15, 16, something like that. My dad had a, still has a boat in Croatia and we had like, we went tubing all the time. And it was like one of those little round donut tubes. There's multiple kinds. This one was like a one person that you sit into. But I guess it was kind of like a tube. Yeah. And it was like one of those that was kind of kid sized. And if anyone's ever seen me, you know the size of my butt. And so when I got into it, I got stuck, which was fine because I would never really fly off the tube, which was, you know, the point because those who fly off lose. We all know that. Um, and my dad was, 
he's not the most careful human. Um, so we were in a bay that kind of was like U-shaped, but like the tops of the U would like kind of go in. So horseshoe. Thank you. That's the word. Horseshoe shaped. And um, there was a friend of mine fishing in like a wooden barge at the top of one of the horseshoes. My dad had a bigger boat. So his idea was when we were leaving the bay to go tubing while I was in the tube in the back was to just <clears throat> kind of go near them and then veer off and send them the waves, which if he does that, the thing he didn't think about is that if he goes right, I go left. <laughs> so I found myself full speed ahead, crashing into a wooden barge with my butt <laughs> stuck in the tube. And I crashed. I have no advice here. It just happened to be lucky that the water was still in the tube, like literally like like bounced against the wood. And so I flew off as it sort of like bumper bumper bounced <laughs> of the boat. And I didn't hit the boat, but I just kind of like flew in the air and then flew in the water. And then have you ever tried to get in a barge from the water with your friends helping you? It takes like 17 hours, like one leg and one thing. And they've never taken someone out of the water so fast. I was like flown <laughs> into the boat and just like everything was still in the bay. Everyone thought I was dead. And I just had a big bruise on my arm and that was it. And that's the only time I've ever full speed ahead crashed into something knowing I could not avoid the collision. <laughs> could not get my butt out of the fucking thing. That could have been a lot worse. <laughs> yeah. So um, if you ever thought that you would never be in a situation where you crashed into something, you might. I, I did without driving a thing. So <laughs> there you go. That's my story of the day. It's a really weird thing to segue out of, but I just felt compelled <laughs> to tell the story. <laughs> um, thanks so much, Tony, for coming to chat with me. It was of such course. a pleasure. Thanks for having me. If anyone wants to get a hold of you, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram, Sweet. I guess. Yeah, I'll tag you in the description. And yeah. uh, if you need like, your best, best service, you know where to go. <laughs> I'm not giving out my personal number for this, so. <laughs> Listen, people might want to date you. You don't know. <laughs> so they can message me and I can uh, Yeah, like, do that. Just <laughs> I can screen them. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly how I'll do it. I like it. We'll do that. <laughs> um, cool. Well, thanks so much for listening to another episode, everyone. Um, if uh, you, like Tony, want to talk about anything that's near and dear to your heart or just share stories about tubing accidents, um, you know where to find <laughs> me. Uh, in the meantime, as always, please make sure this week to find some source of pleasure for yourselves. All right. Chat to you later. Bye.